Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Something about being together, isn't it, where God's grace just flows. It's Fred prayed that um, it's so good to see Larry Huff here praying for Diana and others who have been away for a while. Those of you coming back from fall break, if you were away, hope you had a wonderful time. We missed you, but uh, good to, to be back together today and excited for what God has for us in his word. We're going to be uh, diving into Ephesians chapter three in just a moment, but before we go there, just a word of encouragement around our, our team, the Colts. Is anyone losing hope? at one and four, and just like, oh man, this season's over. All right, Dennis, yeah, a few of us, it's, but I just want to, um, and I did not get this from Inside Scoop, but, but pure optimism, but hey, I want to say, I think we have the rest of the league right where we want them. The season is still young, and now we've dropped off their radar. They've, they've going to underestimate us. They've forgotten about us. They don't see us, and we are going to win the division. Starting today, we're going to slip slide into division lead, Sorry uh, to the Team Slack, Houston Texan fans. And then um, come February, I think we're going to be in that big dance. I'm just, just feeling that. But uh, the reason I, I share that word of encouragement and, and maybe uh, unrealistic optimism is because that's where our text, uh, Paul, is at today in terms of bringing encouragement to this church in Ephesus that he's writing to. And as he's... Uh, He's writing along. Last week, we looked at Ephesians chapter 2. is just packed with truth, and it's, it's hard to absorb it. It's so good, but he, he hits that first 10 verses where we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and we are God's workmanship and his masterpiece. And, but not only are we saved to be forever alive, we're saved to be forever together in that God, through Christ, has brought us near to, to God, but also to each other in making us his church. And that's where we were last week. So Paul takes off into chapter 3 with that beautiful and power, just enormous truth in mind. And what he does, it's as if he, uh, I'll just read the verse, three, chapter 3, verse 1. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. And then he stops, and it's as if this thought clouds his exuberance and causes him just to put the pen down and pause. And what he's thinking is, what if me being a prisoner of Christ, he's in, under house arrest, in chains, chained to a Roman soldier. What if me being here as a prisoner is causing the, the church family in Ephesus to lose heart, to become discouraged, or to think, man, we're one and four, things aren't going well. You, you know, it's, we're, we're losing this cause, this fight, this battle. And he's concerned that, that they're losing heart. And What's neat about this text is really the big picture of the text is Paul pauses to encourage this church family, to just um, breathe encouragement through a truth that he's going to share. And what's powerful for us is we think, okay, how does this apply to our lives and what does God want to give us through his word in this specific place today? One of the things, what we're going to look at is Paul's example moves us. As we watch Paul um, and what he does moves us to have a for-you kind of love, to live gospel-focused, and then to live with enduring grit as we live out our own life mission. So that's where this text is going to take us. We'll go ahead and, and dive in. 
verse 1 there, as I, I mentioned, and as we read verse 1 and verse 13, here's the question to ask. What's fueling Paul? What, what's moving him? What, what's the motive in his heart? He says, for this reason, I, Paul, prisoner of Christ Jesus, so we know it's his devotion to Christ, but then he says, for the sake of you Gentiles. If you could sum up his, like what's driving him, two words, for you, for you. Look at verse 13. This is where he uh, wraps up his talk, and he says this, or this section. He says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. And so if, if we could say, okay, what are two words that really get at the heart of what's driving Paul and fueling his life mission? It would be a for you kind of love. And looking to his example in our own lives, living with a, a for you kind of love for the people around us as we live out the, the mission that God's called each one of us to. Now, when Paul says for you, who, who's he talking to? It's Gentiles. So for us, that's not a, a massive, when, when you hear the word Gentile, what's your emotional response? It's probably either neutral or somewhat positive in that we are, gen, most of us are Gentiles, but in this context, and in this day and age, the religious atmosphere, a Gentile for a Jew was outsider. Like they would talk about even like a dog, at the level of a dog can, for a, a Jew that looked down upon them. Hey, and there was an animosity, a hostility towards one another. And so when Paul says, I am for the sake of you Gentiles, he, he's talking about the outsider, the outcast. Paul is in prison chained. Now, if you had asked me last week, I'd say, why was Paul in prison? It's for the gospel. It's for Jesus, right? But as I was soaking in this week, I realized specific, Paul is in prison in Rome in this instance because of his commitment to share the gospel with Gentiles. Who threw him in prison? It's Jews. The Jews are the ones that threw him in prison. Now, to help us fill the, uh, just get at this, I the, uh, thought, okay, for us, the Jew-Gentile division, we, we don't fill that, so we're going to attempt to go back in time, and thankfully Luke helps us in the, the gospel of, of, or in Acts, where he writes the, how the church was birthed, and we get to watch the church in Ephesus get birthed. Paul is there, and in the midst of it, we can fill the tension the Jew-Gentile tension. And as we fill this, the goal is that we would understand Paul had a for-you love that was um, inspiring and, and challenging to us to live with a for-you love to those who may be different from us or outside our faith family or, or um, whatever that may look like for us. So we're going to roll back. We'll roll back to Luke, uh, Acts chapter 19 and... Verse 8 is where we see Paul, we'll sum this up, but verse 8 says, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months. So this is in Ephesus. What, who meets in the synagogue when you're reading scripture? That was the meeting place for, the, for Jews. Arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. So there you feel the tension, and they refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. The way was the name for Christianity when it first started. So Paul left them. And he took the disciples with him, and he had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyranus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks 
who lived there in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. So if you fast forward through the rest of that chapter, you see the riot that happened in Ephesus. Paul's preaching Christ, one God. It, it takes a, a hit at the idol business in town. So the Gentiles, the people that he is there sharing the gospel with, that, that you can have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, this one who died for your sin, rose from the dead, and offers eternal life to you, they try to uh, basically, they, they want to take him out. So he leaves town. He, uh, he leaves. He comes back to meet with the, uh, Ephesian, the, the Ephesian leaders. They're in uh, chapter 20. Verse 21, and notice what he says, I have declared both to Jews and to Greeks, so there's that Jew-Gentile tension again, that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Now, he says, and compelled by the, the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Who's in Jerusalem, primarily? It's primarily Jews. And so he's like, I don't know what's going to happen to me there, but I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race, complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And so the uh, people who love him there try to talk him out of it. He's like, nope, I'm going. On the way, he, he meets a, a, a prophet named Agabus who does something strange. It says, coming over to us, Agabus took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and his feet with it, and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Why are they going to, why will these Jewish leaders tie him up like this? Well, the believers there that hear, uh, Agabus talking, they're like, Paul, please don't go. He's like, nope, I'm going. And uh, so he, he goes on. He shows up in Jerusalem, and watch what happens in verse 17. It says, when he arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters received him warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest went to James, and all the elders were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. The Gentiles were coming to faith in Christ. When they heard this, they praised God. And then they said to Paul, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the law. So do you see the problem that's coming here? You've got Jews who are committed to the law of Moses. You've got who are coming to faith in Christ. So if you're a Jew and you become a Christian, what do you do with circumcision? What do you do with the food, the, the ceremonial laws around food? What do you do with the sacrifice that, that Moses called us all to? Well, Guess what Paul said? Don't do that. Now, can you imagine that being your tradition? You're all in for God, and now you're called not to do that. <clears throat> now, and also, when you have a Gentile come to Christ, and a Jew and a Gentile are in the same church, the Gentile is like, okay, what do I do with where, where Moses said, you know, we should be circumcised, or we should not eat pork, and these types of things. And guess what Paul told them not to do? Don't do it. Can you see the, you talk about division. I mean, pick your issue today that, that's dividing our culture, whether that be race or political affiliation or, or to vaccinate or not to vaccinate or mask or no mask or all these things that we felt. None of these even come slightly close to the divisive gap that was between Jew and Gentile. They wanted at times to kill one another. 
And now you're going to put a Jew and a Gentile in one church? And you hope that church is going to make it? It's over before it even begins, right? Well, that's what they're feeling right here is, he says that, they say, they have been informed, these are the Jews talking to Paul, that, that uh, the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs, what shall we do? So they're, they're asking Paul. So while Paul's in Jerusalem, guess where he goes? He heads to the place where the Jews worship, the temple, and guess who he takes with him? A guy named Trophimus. Can anyone tell me what, what church Troph- Trophimus is a member of? It's random trivia. I didn't know either until I read this text this week. It's Ephesus. <laughs> so he takes Trophimus into the temple where basically the Jews are looking at him like he's defiling the temple. You're bringing a Gentile into a place where only Jews should be, and guess what happens? A riot breaks out, and they want to kill Paul. It's right there. You can read about it. Paul says, I'm a prisoner of Christ for you Gentiles, literally. Paul, what are you doing? Bringing Trophimus in here. Why are you going to the Gentiles? Why don't you just quiet down and let it ride for a while? You know, people don't change easily. Why, Why not just... Guys, why is Paul doing this it's a for you love it's the love of jesus christ who leaves the comfortable who leaves the the insiders and goes for the outsider even at the risk of his life he's willing to die for this paul these gentiles are trying to kill you back in ephesus they don't like you i mean it's not like republican and democrat or whatever thing that this is like They hate you, and you're going to them with the best news ever that they can know God through through faith in Christ. Why are you doing this? Guys, do you feel it? You know, I just blew by this before, but when I read, Paul says, I'm a prisoner for Christ for you Gentiles. It's a for you kind of love, and it moves us to be for the people that are different than us, that are outside our church family, that that don't know God, that, that may even oppose us, We are for them. So here's the question. When you're with the people around you, even those who may not be like you in any way, do they just sense, I'm for you. I'm for you. I I am so for you, I would die for you. Isn't that awesome? That's the love of Christ that's to be beating in our hearts. And, And I love the way this story plays out. We don't have time to go through it all, but I encourage you on your own to uh, read through it. Basically, the, uh, it's, I got, I'll share the, it says immediately, as the riots breaking out and these people in the temple are trying to kill Paul, listen to what, how Luke, and Luke is giving us graphic de- detail, but he says, and immediately the gates were shut <laughs> while they were trying to kill him. Can you just feel the ominous nature of that? <laughs> this guy's toast. So it says the Roman soldiers hear it. They come running, and they, they rescue Paul. They're like, who in the world are you? And one of the Roman soldiers, funny detail, goes, are you the Egyptian terrorist? He led like 4,000 people out. And Paul's like, no, I'm Saul, or I'm a, uh, I'm a Roman citizen, actually, and uh, I'm a Jew from Tarsus. But then he doesn't let it lie. He asks this Roman soldier, can I talk to this mob? 
So he changes his language. He goes in Aramaic, their heart language. He starts building a bridge with them. And he's like, I'm, I'm a, uh, chapter 22, I'm a Jew from, the, uh, from Tarsus in Sicily. Brought up in this city. So I'm brought up in Jerusalem, studied under Gamaliel, one of the prime, like, uh, very gifted teachers, Pharisee. So he's building the bridge. He shares his story that Jesus met him on the road to Damascus blinded him and then brought his sight back and and do you know this mob quiets down and listens to him until he says one word guess what that word is it's crazy these guys are ready to kill him quiet down and they listen to his story until he says one word verse 21 then the lord said to me go i will send you far away to the don't say it paul don't say it, Gentiles. Then the, cr- the crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. And, they, and as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the commander ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks and directed him to be flogged to figure out why, why they, were, uh, they were upset. Why does Paul keep talking? For you, Gentiles. What's beating in his heart is a for you love. This is the distinguishing mark of a Christ follower, isn't it? You boil it all down. We are a people who are for those, even those who are against us. I'm so thankful for the for you love that God has put in the hearts of our church family, really from day one, where um, within our community, we just that sense of we are for you. Even if you're not a part of a, a follower of Christ, we are for you. We're for each other. And um, so neat this past week just to see many of you living that out in, in so many ways. The, uh, I love one pastor says um, the little, especially when we're tempted to division and being against one another and those outside our church family, um, you matter more than my view. You matter more than my view. You know, and our views can just divide us and fracture us, can't they? But the love of Christ trumps all of that. You matter more than my view. As uh, those who are outside our church family, and if you are a guest with us today, we, we just hope that you sense that for you love. The minute you enter into our fellowship and um, are part of conversations and whatever, that you're not feeling judged or critiqued or measured or anything but you just know we are for you because God is for you loves you and uh, there's hope in the gospel the second uh, way that we see Paul's example just moving us is to live and I I struggle to put this into words just because it's such a big truth that we're going to work through here but the second move as we see him is to live soul blown by the gospel, by the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Soul blown was the idea. Or as we watch Paul in verses 2 through 12, he is just blown away by the grace of God and the gospel. And you can tell this is what's fueling him. He's living soul blown or just blown away by God's grace poured out to him, but also poured out through him to the Gentiles. You, uh, as we work through this, you'll notice a couple words that just keep repeating. One is the grace of God, and just God's amazing grace that we 
messed up, broken sinners and deserving nothing but his wrath have received the riches of Christ. Like all this in heaven too, through Christ. And it's his grace. And then we get the chance to be a part of sharing his grace with other people. The other word that will come out again and again is mystery. And this is really core to Paul's life mission. God gave him the privilege of sharing a mystery. And when you, when you hear that, it's not, it doesn't mean like something that's hard to understand. It means something that was concealed in the past that's now been made uh, very clear and very easy to understand. And we'll get into what that mystery is. So as we read through this, the prayer is that we would all just be soul blown as well with the beauty of the gospel. Verse two, he says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. He's been talking about this in chapter 2. He says, so we're, we're asking, okay, what's the mystery? What's the mystery? In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. So the mystery has to do with Christ. In what, in what way? He says, well, which was not made known to the people in other generations as it has been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy people and prophets. So this is new revelation. What's the mystery, though? Here it is. This mystery is that through the gospel, say, so what's the gospel? First Corinthians 15, 1 to 7, Christ died for our sins, rose from the dead. We receive eternal life um, when we believe in him. This mystery is through the gospel. Here it comes. The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. God's chosen people, members together of one body, so something new, and we remember he called that one new humanity last week, and sharers together in the promise of Christ. Three, three times he uses the word together, together, together. What's the mystery, guys? It's not only that we have access to God and we, we are forgiven and have eternal life, it's that Jew and Gentile are forming one new unit the body of Christ the church that that's us we are coming together and, and this is a mystery like how is this going to happen there is only one way the Jew and Gentile come together and that's in Christ Jesus and by his power and when these groups come together every other division among humanity falls the church is united in Christ with an indivisible union that, that he holds us together and Guys, there's power in this. There's power in this. The, uh, and this is why Paul's so fired up. I got to get this message to the Gentiles. Kill me if you want. But this is God's at work in this. He's making these two groups one. He says, I have become a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to who? The Gentiles, the boundless riches of Christ. The word the scholars struggle to translate that word boundless, but it's the idea of uh, untraceable. You can't get to the end of this. Like if we try to go measure the end of the galaxies in space, you can't get to the end of it. The riches we have in Christ, the, the Gentiles now get to share in. You can't get to the end of it. You can't trace these. You, they're infinite and unmeasurable. He says, I get to share this and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery that we have become one, for, which, was, which for ages was kept hidden in God who created all things. And here comes the treasure, 
or the, uh, God's purpose. His intent was that now through the church, our union, one new body, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authority in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose. So here Paul parts the, uh, the curtains into the unseen world, the spiritual world. The angels are watching this redemptive drama play out. And God is showing his wisdom through us, through the church. And even as we um, come together and do life together, the angels look in and they say, look at these people with these radical differences. You've got Purdue fans and IU fans who love each other like family. <laughs> Way beyond Purdue IU. You know, you've got people who have hurt one another. People who are radically different. All ages, all socioeconomic backgrounds, all types of different views about this, that, and the other. But in Christ, they are one and the angels are watching this. Um, and have reason to praise God for this, but he says, according to his eternal purpose. And I love that in the, and that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here God is reminding us that what he's doing in us today in the church is not something that's like, oh boy, Israel failed, what am I going to do? Ah, eh, let's come up with the church. This, this is part of his eternal purpose. This is the culmination. He, he saw this coming, eternity passed, and planned this, and now we'll be... Um, his people forever into eternity future. And then the treasure is this, in him, in Christ, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So Jew and Gentile, through Christ, we don't need a temple, we don't need a priest, we together can approach God. We can come into the throne room of the living God and with boldness of a little kid come into his dad, say, help, <laughs> And with confidence knowing he hears us, he loves us, he cares about us through Christ. Blown away by the beauty of the gospel, this good news. Can you feel that with Paul? Why, it's like, man, he's, this truth is just real to him and it's fueling him to share it. The question is, is, this real, is it real to me? You know, and to you as you do your life mission that just... This incredible reality of what God's doing right now in our lives. And he's at work in the lives of people around us. Am I living just lit up with the passion to share this good news with those around me? Paul had a unique life mission. God called him specifically to go to the Gentiles and blinded him and gave his sight black and all that. None of us have that life mission. But God has given each one of us a unique life mission. Your story is only your story. And he puts you here and allow the circumstances around your life, only you have that. And there's people that only you can reach. And he's going to use you to uh, speak truth, hope, and life, and love as you point them to Christ. And just uh, this week, I think, man, who, who is it? God's going to allow your path to interact with somebody to uh, share the message of hope. And are you ready? Am I ready? Am I living lit up, blown away? by the, the good news of, of God's grace. In his book, Organic Outreach for Ordin Ordinary People, Kevin Harney, great uh, evangelism tool. Sometimes you feel like, man, I have to be like Paul or preach or whatever. But this is just, really, it's just following God's lead as we do everyday relationships and point people to Christ. He has one chapter called the One Degree Rule. And he said, okay, your passion to share Christ with someone, if you were to plot it on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being ice cold, 10 being just fired up, where would you be? 
And he said, it's not so much where you are, like three, six, nine, but it's taking the time to think about where am I right now. So I'll just invite us to do that right now. Where would you be? If you were to say one is really not thinking about how to share Christ, and 10 is, man, I'm waking up just praying, Lord, let me point to you to somebody today. Where would you plot yourself? So go ahead, pick your number. Got it? Okay, that's the important thing, picking it, because it allows us to take the next step, which is, what would it take? Say you're a four. What would it take this week to just bump that up one degree to a five? What could you do this week that would just up that one degree of evangelistic passion? Practical step. Maybe it's praying about that. Just, Lord, help, help me. Maybe it's basking in this truth that Paul's just written and just the glory of the gospel and just... Um, and then what's the next step? Maybe it's saying, okay, I'm going to make a bold move and just reach out to somebody that God's put on my heart. Or maybe we, sometimes as Christians, we can just huddle in our safe Christian corners. And the longer we become a Christian, the more disconnected from those who, who were here to point towards Christ we become. And so maybe for you, it's a, your circle at work. You've got your circle of family. But there's that third circle that sociologists call the third, third space which is where we live, and it's those uh, places that, um, like your hobbies, you know, or, or you, where you go every day, maybe where you get your gas or whatever, and you bump into people, but uh, maybe it's someone there and just saying, Lord, help me maybe start a new hobby or, or uh, whatever that may look like, but what would it take to bump up one degree? That's a great question, isn't it? Love that. Today, we're launching a uh, excited day. Uh, launch a new ministry team. We have a, what we're calling it, our community outreach ministry team. But we've never had a group of our members just say, we will own the piece of inviting the 80,000 who don't, may not have a church home, may not know Christ, to be part of our, our church family and to join the mission that God's given us. And so we're meeting for lunch today and appreciate prayer for those 12 of us who will be just owning that. We have a church planting team, which takes the gospel to other countries and we have a compassion team that takes, um, meets the needs in the name of Christ of those who are hurting in our community. But this will own this, this core thing of saying, all right, we want to share Christ and be a welcoming presence to those who, who may not know Christ. On to the, uh, the third way that, that Paul's example helps us in our own life mission. And the, to sum it up in two words, it's to live with enduring grit as we follow Christ. Paul's example moves us to to love the outsider, to live with the four you love with enduring grit. In verse 13, he says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. And don't you love that? One, notice the word sufferings. It's plural. Paul has suffered a lot for these people. But he's like, here he is in prison suffering, and he's like, guys, don't be discouraged for me. This is for your, for your glory. I love the... Uh, as Paul lives out his life mission, he's not afraid to suffer. He knows he's going to face resistance. And I ask you, why do you think Paul was able to endure the suffering? Two things we see in the letter of Ephesians. And the first is he understood he was in a battle. When we understand where we're living, it preps our head. It's a mindset. Hey, there will be resistance. We see this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8. 12, as he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against 
the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. As, as Paul took the gospel to the Gentiles, he wasn't just going up against human tradition, which is a, it's a tough wall. You're going to hit resistance. He wasn't just going up against human pride, religious pride in the Jewish system, which is a tough wall. What was he going up against? He was taking the hope of the gospel straight at the prison doors of the kingdom of darkness. Guys, when we set out to share Christ, to be Christ, to love people, to go after the outsider, the enemy, we're hitting a spiritual enemy and there will be opposition and sometimes painful opposition. But we count the cost. The one who died for us says go and we go, right? We're in a battle. I don't want to show up in heaven and be wrapped up in the, uh, the hug of the one whose hands are scarred for me with no scars, or at least that I played safe, rather than when he said go, help that person that, that I, did, I wasn't willing to go. But the next question is, how do we do it then? We mindset battle, but how do we stand strong against authorities and powers that are fiercer than us? And he answers that in verse 10, where he says, finally, be, uh, Ephesians 6, 10, finally be strong in the Lord, and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Interesting, guys, in all the letters, this letter, Paul, includes the armor of God. Crucial gear to, uh, to, to fight the battles. We set out to share Christ, to uh, live a for-you kind of love. We will face resistance, but we must stand strong in the Lord in his power, armoring up, and we will have all that we need. Amen. Amen. All right, so bringing it all together, a couple years ago, I was out at the farthest hole possible from uh, the clubhouse at Twin Bridges, and I was, uh, heard a siren and looked at the sky and was like, oh no, it was a storm cell gathering over our community, the kind that they blow the, the warning siren for. And so, but the problem was the dilemma, I was in hole 16, I had two more holes to play, and here comes this storm. And so, do you finish it out? Well, I said, hey, enduring grit. I'm going to finish this out. I see all these other golf carts headed for the clubhouse, and I'm like, nope, I'm not going. So I had a hole 17. I had a decent drive. It allowed me a good shot to a green that you can't see the green. I shot that ball up there, and it, I couldn't see it, but it looked like a pretty good shot. So I said, I'm not leaving. Clouds are getting closer. There's two tree lines. I, this, I had to Okay, where do I go in a storm? Well, I can sit out here in the fairway and get hit by lightning or go into the woods and possibly tree falls on me, but at least I can dodge a tree. I can't dodge lightning. So I went into the woods. And I'm sitting there in the woods, and here comes the wind. As I'm thinking about what kind of sirens, what time, when do they sound the siren? It's usually when there's a tornado as the wind comes. And I'm like, oh, man. Trees creaking, and uh, I look across the fairway and hear this massive tree on the other tree line crashes to the ground, falls across the fairway. It freaked me out. I chickened out, tapped out, took off running <laughs> towards the clubhouse. And it was one of those, you know, in a dream when you're running, but you can't quite uh, move. And the wind was blowing so hard, it was in my face. And I'm running. The guys, everybody else was up on the uh, patio of the clubhouse watching people come in. And so when I arrived, you know, they welcomed me in and we're sharing our storm stories until the club pro, clubhouse pro, received a call. He said, hold on, guys, I got a call. 
and uh, it's Glover, Dave Glover. He's stuck out on, he's stranded out on a, in a tree line on, on hole number eight. Man, bummer for Dave, you know, you're just picturing him out there. <laughs> but you know, immediately, Kevin Hill jumps into a golf cart and just takes off into the storm. Nobody said, hey, who's going to go on it? It was reflex. And he goes with a for you kind of love. As Dave sees him coming, what, Dave, why are you coming out? It's for you, Dave. Stranded. Um, outside the, the comfort and the safety of that place, going to get him. He, he went with the hope of, uh, hey, I got a spot for you on the golf cart. You know, I, I know the way home, and come on, hop in. Always what we talk about, one more space for uh, somebody who doesn't have a church home or doesn't know Christ. And then he uh, came back with enduring grit. They made it back, um, risking lightning strike and, and winds and all of that stuff. As so I was thinking about that story, the prayer that welled up in my heart was, Lord, help me not be the kind of, help me not do, like Paul, you know, love people when there's an opportunity to help somebody and to share Christ or be Christ. I want to be the kind of person where it's just reflex. And I know, I'm sure that's your prayer too, that, uh, that I would be so like Christ that it's like Kevin. I don't think about it. I'm not stranded in apathy about those who are on the outside. I'm not stranded by a divisive attitude towards them or whatever, or even a, a risk-reward where I have that pause of, okay, should I or shouldn't I? What's the risk-reward of this? But I'm just like, why? Because I'm for you, for you, love of Christ. Because I have the hope of the world. There's no problem no situation, no marriage that's messed up, no family situation. There's no problem on this earth that Jesus Christ can't come in and help a person first save their soul, but then help them get through that thing. And then third, that I would have that enduring grit, that it, it might cost me something, I might get hit by lightning, might suffer a little bit, might, for us, it's pretty much reputation, isn't it? I mean, we don't face physical suffering, but this might totally blow my reputation to go help this person, leave the safe circle and go help, but I'm in. I'm in. What a gift God has given us through Paul's example, equipping and inspiring us to live with the for you kind of love, soul blown by the beauty of the gospel, and then live with enduring grit as we live out our life mission. If you would, join me in prayer and this time, I'll just, uh, as we bow our heads, and just, in, I don't want to assume that everyone here knows Christ, and if you've been listening to this message, and you've realized that you've never come to that point in your life where you've surrendered your life to Christ, confessed your sin, and repented, and turned to Christ for, for forgiveness, but also a relationship with God that's personal and forever, I invite you to take that step in these next few moments. His invitation is, is open to you, and he invites you to, to believe in him. For the rest of us, I, if you're following Christ, would you be willing to, just to, as I pray, to ask the Lord, who's the person that you want me to reach out to, or what's the next step that you want me to take? For you kind of love, the hope of your gospel, and with enduring grit. Maybe he puts a person on your mind. Maybe he puts a 
group of people or and then be willing to just with his help resolve to to go do whatever he's nudging you to do this week you would join me in prayer father quiet of these moments, we do just uh, ask you to, to show us our next step. We know that you're working in the hearts of people around us, and we thank you for those who reached out to us with a for you kind of love and shared the, the beautiful message of salvation through faith in Christ. And Pray that you would help us to take that step this week with enduring grit, to be sensitive to your lead. Lord, we pray that we would just see that somebody step from life, from death to life this week. We thank you for your word today. Thank you for the way that you inform us and transform us to be more like Christ. Thank you for each person here today, and Lord, I pray your blessing over each person today. You would just draw them close to yourself and pour out your grace to meet their need, but also to empower them into ministry, and we pray this in Jesus' name. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.